I don't know if any of you have ever been in a relationship or maybe remember a time within your own household when you thought everyone was on the same page and it turned out nobody was on the same page. I don't want to project our life onto you, but this is a common occurrence. <laughs> Cannot look at my wife when I'm saying that. This is a common occurrence in our household, you know. And, and mostly it's innocent and, and we survive through it and, and becoming a parent, you know, it happens all the time even more. But certainly anybody who has been in any kind of relationship or experienced a, a deep friendship where it's important that you are on the same page with somebody, and when that doesn't happen, chaos erupts, either just within that relationship or anybody else attached to it or whatever situation is going on. In some way, the promise of Moses that we read about in Exodus 19 is a great example of everybody thinking they're on the same page. And it turns out that nobody is on the same page. In our reading that we came through earlier, the promise that comes to Israel through uh, the promise given to Moses. Now, therefore, in verse 5, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests. And a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all the words that the Lord had commanded them. And what we left out in, in our reading this morning is the next verse. Where the people of Israel respond, all the people answered together. That is, they answered together in one voice. All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Amen. And just 11 and 12 chapters later is the story of the golden calf. A great example of everybody believing they're on the same page. Where they come together and they speak the truth. All that the Lord has spoken, we will emphatically do. Exclamation point in the text. <laughs> and it didn't take long. It didn't take long for not just the promises, or not just even the commands of God to be forgotten, but the promises that are attached to the commands of God. The promise that He is the one who brought them out of the land of Egypt. He's the one who actually set them free from the slavery that they had known. And all they had to do was have him as their God. And he would be their God. He would be the one that they could come to, the one who raised them up on eagles' wings. He was the one who set them free. But they needed a calf. They needed something gold. They needed something shiny. Maybe they had ADD. <laughs> Maybe they were prone to forgetting. Maybe they were just a little bit more like us than we realize. Moses remembered these promises. 
Moses knew the words that had been spoken to him. Moses is the one who was able to even respond and say these promises back to God. Because in that same chapter, when the golden calf arises out of the the molten lava that they made, it's Moses who spoke to God and said, Lord, please, please remember your promises to these people. Remember not only who you said they are, remember who you said you are. Remember the way in which you called them up out of, Israel, out of Egypt. Remember the way that you told them that they would be a holy nation. Lord, for your love's sake, spare these people. And the Lord relented. The Lord did not destroy their nation. The Lord did not put an end to this story and start over new again. The Lord sent them on their journey and on their way towards their promised land. Now we know as people who understand the scriptures and and, uh, give our time to learning about them that that this journey that they were on was long and it was difficult and arduous and it, it was full of complications. <clears throat> and so we, we see it as, as partially as a punishment. We see it also as a journey that helped them grow into Israel. But if we take it and we compare it to the way people think about things today, we see the way people can easily uh, romanticize Today, people are all about the journey. Today, people are all about self-discovery. Today, people are all about picking our own paths and finding our own gods. The idea of wandering around a spiritual desert is at least something that will keep us occupied. Wandering around a spiritual desert, needing to find something, is exactly what Seattle likes to hear. It's us. Because that allows us the freedom to pick the God that we want. And when we can't find him, to make the God that we want. The difference is, as Israel went on this wandering, the Lord remembered his promise. He remembered the way he spoke about his people, the things that he told them that they would be. So they did not wander alone. They did not go into that desert alone. He was there with them. He was there with them in the ark. He was there with them in their tabernacle. He was there with them with the smoke and the fire and the pillar. He was there with them when they were hungry, and so he gave them something to eat. He was there with them when they were thirsty, and so he made water spring from a rock. He was there for them when they were attacked by poisonous snakes and gave them a symbol of safety, gave them a symbol of salvation. They were not alone. They were not sent out there to wander by themselves. But he was with them because the Lord has given a promise. He has promised a holy nation. He has promised 
a people who would be a priesthood. He has promised to raise us up on eagle's wings, to deliver us from our slavery. Jesus speaks of the way Moses writes about him, about the one who is to come and to make this holy nation this priesthood, to raise us up on eagle's wings. He is the one to take away those idols, to take away those golden calves, to lead us in a direction so we're not wandering in a desert, to give us a spirit that carries us through, to give us a sign and a symbol of our salvation. He is the one who was written about. He was the one who's taken the promises given to Moses and making them your promises to make you into the holy nation into that priesthood to make you so that as you are at those funerals you sing the song of being raised up on eagle's wings he's given you that hope so that you can be that nation that has been set apart As we consider how we are in a world that loves that journey, we are in a world that doesn't like to hear those promises of certainty. As we are in this place and at this time, as we have our own homes that are divided by what it is our faith is about. For those of us that sometimes go home and love a person who doesn't seem to recognize the Lord We are able to speak of what it is the Lord has promised. He hasn't promised some wander in the desert by ourselves. But rather, He will raise us up. He will give us hope. He will lead us forward. As Jesus says to the Jews at that time, if you believe Moses, you must believe what He has written about. Paul, as he begins his letter to the first Corinthians, I guess I should say his first letter to the Corinthians, he starts to describe one of the most foundational problems that that church body has. If you remember, he starts it off by describing that he is actually literally thankful that he never baptized any of them. Because in their ranks, they had the problem of assigning who it was they were allegiant towards who it is that had baptized them, and who it is the teachings that they follow. So some, they had spoken of how they were of Apollos. Some who spoke of how they were of Paul. Some spoke of who it was that they had followed. And in response to that, Paul says to say, it is Christ whom you follow. Be of one mind, one judgment, one faith. For it is Christ who has saved you. As Jesus comes into Israel, people are making those same statements, that they are ones who are of Abraham, or they are ones who are of Moses. That when they spoke, they spoke from authority that was founded only in men. Jesus convicts them in saying, you try to find glory from other people, or you try to find the glory from within yourself. It is yourself whom you follow. 
But unfortunately, when you follow yourself and try to find glory from yourself, it ends when you end. But seek the glory that is from above. Seek the name that actually delivers these promises to you. Remember that we gather together. We may bear the name Lutheran, but we do not gather together in Luther's name. We do not gather together in Melanchthon's name, if you know who that is. Or Walther's, or Brad's, or Marcus's. We gather together in Christ. Because we are now a holy nation. We are one who's been brought together in that name. It is a promise first spoken by Moses. It is a promise fulfilled in Christ to you. How is it? How is it then you can ask that the Lord has made us into one nation that has called us together? Because we are now one people who bear one baptism and the name that has been called over us in that baptism. So that as we gather together from our different backgrounds, we are all people that can approach the altar together, receiving the same gifts, being called the same name. We are a nation that gathers together, and we are a nation that is sent out together to be those nations where we are at, in our homes, in our works, in our schools, in our families. How is it that we are ones who have been raised up on eagles' wings? For we certainly know the many different deserts that we have wandered in our life. We know of the times where we felt that we had absolutely no hope. Or the very thing that we cherish the most or we didn't realize we cherish the most is gone. Certainly we remember the different deserts that we have been led through either spiritually, physically, or mentally. But we were never alone. We were never alone once in each of those times in each of those dark places, in each of those dry and hot places. And the dry heat does not count as relief. We were never alone. For we have received the promise of this holy nation that wherever we go, there he is with us. In whatever dark and deep places, the Lord reaches down into Sheol and he pulls us out. So that we have hope of not just a future resurrection, but we have the promise of newness of life right now. For we have been raised up on eagles' wings. So that we know as we go out as that nation, as we go out as his people, that we are not alone, but have been raised up. How is it then possible that we can be a nation that is called a priesthood? We certainly know those things that we carry around in us. We certainly know the imperfections that we have. There's no possible way the Lord has called us to a priesthood. And certainly as a pastor, I understand that feeling very well every time I put on an alm. Thank you, Jennifer. <laughs> How is it possible? It's only possible by the one who has fulfilled these promises. 
fulfilled it by his own death, fulfilled it by his own blood, forgiving all of these trespasses, all of these failures, all of these ways that we have failed in our homes, our families, our vocations. And we become his priesthood as a people that go out and speak of this forgiveness to everyone. So that there is not one in our life who does not know not only the forgiveness that you offer them, but the forgiveness that the Lord has for them. Becoming a priesthood, dispensing the forgiveness of God to all who need it, to all who need to find it. Go. You are this priesthood. You are this nation. You are the ones who've received this promise to Moses through Christ. You are the ones who've been raised up on eagles' wings. Amen?